Adam brought an anchor last week. I want to be like Adam. So I brought this staff with me, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Are you feeling Christmas? Everybody seems to be a little... Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There you go. Well, I I brought something. I found something this week I think will help all of you. Um, It's kind of a to help you evaluate where you are for getting ready for Christmas. You ready for this? The hundred things to do before Christmas. We're not going to do all hundred. <laughs> First of all, have you created your own paper chains for your tree? Now, who, who has done that? Plan a whole day when you and all your family can decorate the house. Has that ever worked for anybody? Make your own Christmas cards. Go ahead and address them and mail them early. Get this one, Sid. Ensure you have a backup power system for the holidays. Have we done that yet? I love this one. Um, Buy or design an heirloom gift for your family. Now, that's, that's really important. Uh, make a pinata in the shape of Santa, a Christmas tree, a candy cane, or a snowflake, and then fill it with all the Christmas favors and candy and other goodies. In other words, just get ready for an exciting Christmas. Are you getting there yet? Do something exciting. I promise this was in the book. Do something exciting and crazy to remember this Christmas, like bungee jump off of a bridge. And, 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 then, and then our culture really wants us to focus on us. So go to the Christmas markets and simply treat yourself to something unique. You ready for this one, Robin? Get your Christmas jumper ready and have fun wearing it. Make your own perfect and huge gingerbread house. Make it early so that you have it on display for Christmas. And, and take yourself out for a treat and just care about you for one full day without thinking of anybody else. That's right. And I love the last one. Clean your oven and get ready to bake. How's that working for you? Well, Christmas, Christmas is is a really fun time. Excitement, bright lights. Freeman Heights always decorates so nicely for us to have our services, and we appreciate that. But Christmas is a special time, and we look forward to it. Um, We anticipate with great anticipation what is to come. And yet, for some people, Christmas is the loneliest day of the year. And we have to stop and kind of think about that. For some people, Christmas is really difficult. For example, if, if one has lost somebody special, a loved one this past year, and this is the first holiday without that person, that makes it hard. It's, it's also hard to navigate when you have broken families. It's, it's hard to navigate if you've lost relationships and, and I appreciate so much 
this particular Saturday and this particular story that we look at the Prince of Peace. And I love, Robert, what you shared with us. In fact, you stole a whole lot of my thunder. So I may just get you to stand and repeat what you said. But we're going to look today at a story that has a lot of significance for us. Um, This church has chosen to follow the Advent calendar, which is the church calendar. And this helps us focus not on bungee jumping or doing things for ourselves, becoming selfish at Christmas, but it helps us to focus on what is really important, and that is that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was given to us as a gift. And so last week, Pastor Adam did a beautiful job of talking about the hope and the anchor and and how that is needed for all of us. And this week, we're going to take an in-depth look at peace, that Jesus is the peace that we need. So let's look at Mark 4, 35 through 41. This is going to be the scripture reading for today. Um, yeah, we got a slide up there. All right. So, so before uh, 35 takes off, we find Jesus and his disciples up in the mountains on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus has been preaching all day to the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are following him, hungry for the teaching. And he has taught them all day, and this is at the end of the day, and we pick up with verse 35. When evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And they left the crowd behind, and they took him along in a boat just as he was. And there were also other boats with him. A wild storm came up. Waves crashed over the boat. It was about to sink. And Jesus was in the back, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up. They said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and ordered the wind to stop. He said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith at all yet? And they were terrified. They looked at each other and asked, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of of the Lord for the people of the Lord. And we all say together, Thanks be to God. We have a slide of a boat in a sea, and there is a storm. Have, you, have any of you ever been in a storm when you're in a boat? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Quite a few of you, right? Sid, Sid and I, the first year of our marriage, we were down in Florida at a river called Withalacoochee. Is that right? Withalacoochee River? with some friends of ours, and we decided it would be really cool to go out late in the afternoon and look at the alligators. And so we got into two John boats. Now, if you don't know what John boats are, they are nothing to brag about. They're just simply a small boat, very shallow, 
not very far above the water level. And as we were going and we were looking at the alligators on the side, all of a sudden this huge storm came up. I guess like Florida has a lot of. But it was lightning, it was thundering, and the rain was so heavy and so dense, you literally could not see your hand in front of your face. And at that point, the, one of the John boats sheared a pin. Did I get that right? All right, sheared a pin. And so we were stuck in the middle of the river with the alligators. And I was so scared, scared to the bone. And all I did was pray. And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't help but think about that time after reading this passage in Mark. If, if you've ever been out there when a storm hits and you feel totally helpless, you know what they felt at that time. Luckily, we were able to finally get to the shore, and there was a couple in the house who had been watching us out there, and they invited us in, and it was just, it, it was wonderful. But being scared was not so wonderful. The story about the disciples and their teacher is a gift to us because we ask this question, can Jesus be trusted in the storms of life? Now, they, they were tossed and turned with the storms of the sea, but there was notably a life presence there. Can we trust Jesus in the storms of the life? You, you know... It's really easy to love Jesus, to follow Jesus when things are going well. It's really easy. And then all of a sudden, our lives might hook a right, a corner we didn't see, a curve that was treacherous, and we are left in the middle of a storm, and that's when we need to know that the Prince of Peace is with us. Uh, Jesus had been teaching up on this mountain all day. And, and it reminded me of if you have a classroom, a biology classroom, let's say, and the teacher is there teaching, the students are listening, they're taking notes, they're listening, they're, they're writing out of the textbooks. And then the next day the teacher says, okay, you've learned this, but let's take it to the lab. And that way, let's, let's take what you've learned and put it into something very practical. I think maybe this is what Jesus was trying to do with the disciples. He was saying, we've been up on that mountain. I've been teaching about the kingdom of God. You've been listening. I've been living with you. You have followed me around everywhere I've gone. And, and now I need for you to see what's out there. And so the invitation that he said when he said in verse 35, let's go over to the other side of the lake. I wonder if that was an invitation to them that come with me. I'm about to teach you more. I'm about to take you out into the lab so that you can see what is needed to follow me. And so the disciples climbed into the boat they went across the Sea of Galilee, which is about 13 miles long and seven and a half um, miles wide. So another question we might ask 
is, did Jesus know the storm was coming? Do you think he did? I think he probably did because he knew this was curriculum for the day. And he wanted his disciples to have the faith in him that they needed to have. And so, yes, he did. It would help the disciples to understand a lesson that they did not even know they needed to learn. And that is that Jesus can be trusted in the storms of life. Remember that the trip started at sundown, and that added to the fear, being in the dark, being whipped around by the, sun, by the storm. For us, I wonder sometimes if we're not listening to Jesus invite us into a time where it's unpleasant, it's difficult, maybe it's tragic, but Jesus is saying, I'm with you, I want to teach you, I want to shape you to be more like me. In verse 36, they climbed into the boat and left the multitudes. His presence was with them. And Mark mentions in the scripture that there were other boats with them. I'd never paid attention to that before. Why would he mention that there were other boats and not just the one with the disciples in it? Well, perhaps it was his way of having eyewitnesses to Jesus' miracle of what he actually did, that the boats were close enough to witness this and to be able to tell others about it. Now, Jesus had reached total physical exhaustion produced by the tremendous demands that the multitudes were putting on him. He had reached the very end of a heavy day of teaching, ministering, healing. He was worn out. And you teachers out there, you know what I'm talking about. You pour yourself into your students all day long, day after day, and you know what this physical tiredness can be like. So when they set sail, the boat was sailing in a gentle, a very gentle wind. We know the the sails were up, and we can only imagine how peaceful it was. At night, with a calm sea, Jesus totally tired. And, and we see the humanity in Jesus, okay? So we know Jesus is 100% human. We also know that Jesus is 100% God. The humanity in him, the pouring out of him... The, the constant demands on him. He was tired. He was physically tired. He needed sleep. And at the same time in this story, we see the deity that Jesus was, that he was able to reach out with power and control for, for nature. And then in 37, we learn that this terrifying storm came upon them, and the disciples thought they were on the brink of disaster. One translation says, and there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the, that the boat was already filling up with water. It must have been terrifying. Remember, these were seasoned professional fishermen, and they thought that their boat was being capsized. One commentary stated that, that such sudden Furious storms of hurricane proportions 
were characteristic of the Sea of Galilee because it lies 628 feet below the level of sea and the deep um, ravines served as gigantic funnels to draw the wind down upon the waters. And then in 38, we find Jesus in the back on a cushion asleep. Don't mistake the calm of the Savior as indifference. Let me repeat that. Don't mistake the calm of the Savior for indifference. We see, we see Jesus awaking. We see the disciples frantically, frantically waking him up. They woke him up. They said to him, Teacher, you don't even care. Yet here we are almost drowning, and you don't care. You don't care about us. You don't care about the fact that we are about to drown. Have you ever asked Jesus those questions when the curve of life has come around and hit you straight in the face? Let me stop and add this, that their questions to Jesus reminded me of the Psalms. I love the Psalms of how direct and in your face that the, the poets write to Jesus, I mean to God. They say, wake up, God. It's time to call the wicked to account. Wake up. I need someone to help me. Rouse yourself, God. Why are you asleep? Wake up and don't cast us away. Over and over and over in the Psalms, we see this crying out. But I think if we sat down with some of the poets of the Psalms and we asked them in a moment, do you think God is really asleep? They might say, well, no, after all, he is God. But it certainly seems like he's gone to sleep some of the time. And that's kind of the faith that I have. It's kind of the faith that all of us have. The good times, it's really easy to worship. It's really easy to love God and see all of his blessings. But have the storm come and we begin to question That's why this story in Mark is so important to us because that we see that we are like the disciples and we need to be reminded that Jesus gives us calm. He gives us peace. In verse 39, and being aroused, he rebuffed the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. Notice that not only the winds immediately quieted down, but so did the waves. And this is not typical of a storm that passes through. There's normally a lessening of the storm. But immediately, the sea became calm, and so the wind and the waves synchronized in perfect silence. Yes, Jesus can be trusted in the middle of the storms because he is Lord of lords. The sea was calm. So much had happened in such a short time in the boat, and now it was Jesus who was asking the disciples questions. Why are you afraid? Man, I've been teaching you. I've been pouring myself into you. I've been teaching you who God really is. 
that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am right there with you. Why are you so afraid? Why, why don't you believe that I am who I say that I am? And many of those questions can be asked of us tonight. Is, if Jesus is the Lord of our lords, if we have given everything that we have to Jesus, do we really live every day as if that is true? Do we? More questions came from the disciples when Jesus asked his questions. They were like, who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, they knew it was Jesus, right? But they had just been scared literally to death. And they had just witnessed, they had just seen Jesus reach out and do this amazing miracle in their lives. And, and they were awed by him. They were, so, they were so taken with what he had done that it just affirmed to them who he was. Who is this that has this kind of power and, and this kind of <clears throat> control that even the wind and the seas obey him? This is the message to all of us. The boat will not sink, and the storm will not last forever. Could I get an amen on that? I want to conclude today with, with a small verse in Psalms 23. 23 is the most quoted chapter of the Bible. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. But in verse 4, there's a very simple, simple verse that says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And we have a small collection of canes and walking staffs in our home from several generations. And whenever I pull one out and see it, I am reminded that the Word of God is my staff. And this is the take-home part of this sermon. When I lost my brother, 18 months older than me, to ALS, when he was in the prime of his life, this verse was my staff. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning from Psalms 35. When it was time to walk away from supporting the orphans in Kenya, this verse was my staff. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed perplexed, and not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. In times of doubting myself, I found it easier to go forward with this staff from Isaiah 30, 15, in quietness and trust is your strength. When Sid and I received a phone call from Romania telling us that our daughter had been in a head-on collision and we didn't know exactly how badly she was hurt, 
I found this staff. God is my refuge and my strength, my very present help in trouble. During times of feeling crushed by this broken world, I find my staff in the verse, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, Isaiah 41.10. And what about that rod that's mentioned in Psalms 23.4? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think about the rod as being a, a pointer that a teacher holds out to her students in order to point to a letter that otherwise the child might not see. I think that God points out very valuable lessons to us through difficult times. God allows us to experience pain and suffering, but he will never send us on any journey without equipping us as well. This Christmas, Jesus is our peace. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that to the point where when the storms come, you can say, on this rock, I stand. Jesus is my peace. There's one slide I want to share with you. It's called the Raging of Galilee Storm on the Sea. Deuteronomy three eighteen. The Lord himself goes before you. And will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And then the last passage I'll leave you with tonight is John 14, 27. And hear this as the words of Jesus to you. I leave my peace with you. I give my peace to you. I do not give it to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Would you bow with me? Father God, thank you so much for the story about the disciples, Father, that just remind us about our own lives and about our own faith. But not so much that, but just how amazing that you are. Father, you stand beside us regardless of where we are. You can bring the peace that passeth all understanding, Father. So help us in our unbelief. Help us in the struggles of our life. Help us with the curves of life that we are tossed about. Help us to be anchored in the hope of you. And Father, help us with the word of God as our staff to be able to get through these times and know that you are the Lord of our lords. You are God of all gods. Father, we thank you. We thank you for coming. We thank you for being the Prince of Peace. Amen.
All right, let's do our benediction. Be people of peace. Let peace live in your heart and share the peace of Christ with all you meet. Share peace by acting out of compassion and not fear. Share peace by listening to all sides of the story. Share peace by praying for our world. In this Advent season, we need to see, feel, and share peace. As you go out into the wonder of God's creations, share peace and hope with those you meet. Amen.